1: You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast
0: brought to you by Birmingham Live. Oh, well, I'm definitely in a good mood this evening as I'm singing along to the theme tunes. We wait to go live there. You've got a Christmas tree up. You've got a nice Villa show on. Villa have got three points against the Albion with a 3-0 win that should have been four, but we'll come on to that. Happy days, mate.
1: Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, What fun it is to see Aston Villa win away again.
0: Yes, again.
1: Sunday night, say,
0: for the future. Can we launch a petition that Villa have to play every game on Sunday night now? That's, I don't know, I've not looked in front of me, but Liverpool was Sunday night, Arsenal was a yeah. Sunday night, I think Leicester was a yeah. Sunday night as well, so yeah. it's not bad, get, get us playing Sunday night, 7 o'clock all, all we can. Uh, when we first started the season like that, I was like, oh, working Sundays, <laughs> working late on a Sunday, that's a bit rubbish, but if Villa keep winning games, mate, I'm all, all for it.
1: Yeah, it was well, i say never in doubt, I think it probably was in doubt, uh, at some stage, well, I don't think it was in that doubt, doubt. To be honest, I think it was a comfortable win. I think it, I think the sending off, you know, we'll get to that properly. The decisions in a while, but I think the sending off actually helped Albion a little bit because it gave him an excuse to kind of sit deep yeah. behind the ball and then just try and spring a very very rare, very occasional counter attack. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't see the last two goals coming in the last five or ten minutes, but. No, Neither did I see Villa Villa throwing it away at that stage, to be honest. Um so yeah, it's you know, it's we are so so greedy, but we just think think of the points we've dropped. I know. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Brighton, West Ham, you know, could have the could have the league title so not up, right? Remarkable, isn't it?
0: Yeah, the turnaround is is unbelievable. I know we have talked about this so much, but I mean I posted on Facebook this morning about, uh, El Ghazi at the Hawthorns, and um, the brace he got there last year with the Rocket, the second goal and how much he enjoys playing for them just as a bit of a, you know, jokey get, getting started into the day. And you think, Oh, that feels like a lifetime ago. That was only like last year. And then this season, not well, last season, but this year in 2020, Villa were rubbish. We all know how poor we were at one point this year, months ago. And we, we sit here and say it all the time. The turnaround that Villa have, have gone through in the last, what, three or four months. I keep mentioning, don't they, on BT and, and Sky when we play. Oh, Villa stayed up on the last day. Let's not forget. Like, that's remarkable how good we are since then. Like, I almost, we have to keep talking about it every week because so I still can't quite believe it. I'm waiting for the game where we go, ah, oh, that start Villa had, it all faded away and, and now we're back to the Villa we know. This is a new Villa now. We're actually good. <laughs> What year is it now? Is it still 2020? It's still, it's still 2020,
1: mate. I know. And Villa were in the championship in 2019 for the first half. Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah. That feels <laughs> like 10 years ago, doesn't it? It
1: does feel like years ago.
0: No, you're
1: right. But I think, I think people, are, people are right to remember that Villa stayed up on the last day of the seasons because, mm. you know, the transformation is, is spectacular, really. I think, well, I, I've just tweeted, um, Villa racked up 22 points now from 12 games, it took them 23 games to get to 22 points. It was when they got a draw, when we got a draw down at Brighton. Um, Christ knows what year that was. Um, (laughs) But it just shows, it just shows. And, you know, I think you were saying it's um, face Chelsea uh, in a week's time and currently level on points, is that right? I've not looked at the table closely. Level on points, but with
0: a game in hand. Yes, um, so... I, can, I can't put the table up because I've got something else prepared. But yeah, you, it's weird, isn't it? Because you look at the runner fixtures and we looked at uh, Burnley, um, Albion and Palace. What would we like there? Seven points probably as a minimum. Nine is on, is on offer. Obviously, we dropped out to Burnley. So we can still get seven. I'd still be happy with that. If we extend it back to the Wolves game as well and include that in there, beating both Wolves and Albion, which can be a little bit banana skins because they're derbies. Draw against Burnley isn't bad because we still created and made chances. We couldn't couldn't buy a goal against Burnley and now we've scored three today and again it should have been four, possibly even more. And you go to Palace who have just been absolutely battered by Liverpool and how they'll react to that. And then you look ahead to Chelsea and normally you look ahead to those big games and think, oh Chelsea, that'll be difficult. We'll see what kind of Villa turn up, we'll see what Chelsea do. And then you look at the league table and realise that we're level on points, we've got a game in hand, goal differences. I think they're one better or we're one better. We're actually good now. So you don't write these big games off anymore. You look ahead to Man United on, on I think it's either New Year's Day or the second of January, and you think, yeah, we, why can't we go and get something there now? And that's what I like that Dean, Dean Smith and his team have, have installed in that Villa side now that we look fearless against anybody. I know it's only Albion and all the rest of it, but for large parts of that game, you think this might fizzle out as a one or a one-nil, or Albion will get a cheeky counter attack, or a horrible free kick, or a decision they're going to scrape a one-one. That's what old Villa probably would have done, and we'd have crumbled a little bit but we go on and, like you said, get two goals in the last few minutes that you don't see coming. And that Bertrand Torrego goal, what's <laughs> happened there? Because as soon as he hit it, I've gone, ah, oh, thinking like he's just had a little P-roll. It's the Sam Johnson like we've seen uh, El Ghazi do against Burnley. And it's this lovely, tidy finish that seemed to fool everybody. I, just, I don't quite know how that's actually gone in when they watched the replay. Like, Sam Johnson's just like, hands on his hip watching it go in. <laughs> I don't know how that's happened. I
1: think it's probably the standout moment of the game, wasn't it? It was, it was a cracking finish. And I think, I think the only thing that's encouraged me, um, both against Burnley and again tonight, is that we worried, didn't we? And I'm sure we still will worry when Villa get injuries and these people missing. Yeah. And they've been without Ross Barkley, and they've been without, you know, Eswe Konza tonight. Batter Burnley, nil-nil, if you can batter somebody, <laughs> somebody nil-nil, without Matty Cash, um, without Douglas Louise, I was glad to have those two back in tonight. Yeah. Um, I thought Cash was just relentless as well. You know, he's just such an athlete. Yeah, very, good. Very, um, very good. but you know, he's, he's a complete fullback for me with, you know, all parts of the game. He can defend, he can attack, can attack. I think he's an England international in the making. Um, without, uh, you're going to tell me now he was, he was born in Delhi or something, aren't you? But, um, <laughs> I think, uh,
0: yeah, can I think it's Poland. Said it again. Can, Matty Cash can register for Poland as well. Can he? Yeah, he's, I think it's something like his grandmother on his mum's side or something. is is from Poland, so he can technically register for Poland as well. well that's good knowledge.
1: We we'll sign him up quickly, Gareth, because we want him playing for <laughs> England. Um, but yeah, I thought it was um, wide areas tonight. Villa were Villa were brilliant, weren't they? Um, yeah, enough
0: enough. down the left. And positions that um, we've been worried about. Left back target. Is he that great? Right back over the, over the seasons is a, is a position we could probably improve. Matty Cash has come in and, like you said, has totally done that. Further forward, El Ghazi. Does he do enough? Trezeguay, uh, not Trezeguay, sorry, Treore. He looks okay, but very one footed. Is he not quite sure? And then they have these moments like tonight where you think, yeah, actually, you know what? They are, they are decent footballers. And as much as obviously you weren't on the last one, but me and Max talked about El Ghazi and the kind of, abuse he got on social media that Tyrone Ming stood up for and then after the Burnley game we're kind of going it's a bit of a coincidence but we're highlighting El Ghazi again because he's having these chances and not doing much with them and then today he looks not like a world beater but it looks a different player to what he was the other day and he gets that early goal and the one he's had towards the end of that game when he's he's cut into the edge of the box rolled it rolled a ball past the player and then took a great shot against Johnson that's the kind of El Ghazi that we want to see more of. More of. Um, I think it is, like Max said on the last episode we did, he's, he's very much a confidence player. And you'd hope now that him and Troy have both got that bit of confidence to to stay in that side. And a comment's just come through about Ross Barker. We all thought he might be back tonight. If he's back for Chelsea, obviously he can't play anyway because of the um, the loan. So he's not going to be coming back until at least... Um, he could be coming back for Palace he, and then miss the the other one. But... You think now how he comes back into that side and what happens to one of El Ghazi or, or Troyore? Uh, it's very yeah. annoying they've both got TR at the start of their names, but it will change, doesn't it? And that's a, a good problem to have, I guess, rather than looking at it and going, well, Tre- Trez- Trez- guy comes, tra- oh. comes straight out because he's been rubbish. Barker comes straight in. You now look at it and go, well, "Oh, I don't know, man. I just want to keep saying the wrong thing. Um, but yeah. You talk instead. Get this out of my mouth. What I was going to say, and let me not fall
1: into the same trap now, is that two weeks ago, we a set of those three wingers that Trezeguet would have been at the front of the queue. And, you know, even though he's missing a few chances, we've, we've noticed the improvement this season. We've noticed his work rate, his energy. Um, but now, you know, we can wait for him to be fully fit. Again, can't mm-hmm. we? When we've got two other wingers in Troy a and 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 are fit, so like you said, it's it's really nice problems to have. And I think this was going to be the big test for for Dean Smith. What, like I said, when the injuries and the suspensions came knocking, could he still field a competitive eleven that were going to go and win games? Now, I think for context tonight, I think West Bromwich Albion. I don't want to say they're going to be the whipping boys of the division, but I think even with, with Big Sam in there, you know, trying to make them meaner and more stubborn, I think they've got one hell of a battle to, to stay up. Um, mm-hmm. and I just heard the commenter say that Big Big Sam can't wait until January. I don't think he's suddenly going to have a, a massive amount of cash to spend. To, some time to improve off
0: say again? Is he having some time off or something? He's not going to get any money to spend, is he, in January? What's he doing? Right. Is he going on holiday or something?
1: Well, see, and I thought, I think Villa kind of, you know, I was expecting, expecting a tougher game tonight than Villa yeah, got, I mean. you know, with a new manager effect. And I thought maybe it would be a banana skin, but that early goal, you know, put Villa oh, on massive. top. Yeah, massive. Right away. Yeah. And then I suppose we might as well talk about the the sending off that was
0: and the sending off that wasn't, hadn't we? What, what were your thoughts? Well first of all, when you mentioned that that early goal, I think that was that was key to changing the game. So the longer that, that goes on at nil nil, that plays perfectly into Sam Allardyce's hands and, and Albin's hands that they'll draw out the game and then they will maybe nick something on the counter, like a bit like Burnley could have done, you know, drawing out the game to be nil nil. Um so that early goal was massive and, and really changed the, the outcome of the game. The red card that was, um, for Livermore, I agreed with it being a red card. I think that is V A R being used in the correct way. Because initially, when I first saw it, I was like, he's lunged in there. The actual contact to where he comes in and hits uh, Grealish's shin or wherever it is, he's quite low down, but he's kind of coming over the top and lunged his leg. So I thought, in real time, I thought, that looked like a red card. Gives a yellow, Is advised to go and look at it, changes his mind, and is sending off correct, I felt. Do you agree?
1: I thought it was one of those, I do agree, I think it was a red card, but I thought it looked worse in real time. Then when it was slowed down. When it was slowed it's like down. No worries, I, I think. Yeah, well it was because he lunged and he, he I think we'll come to the Corney Horse one in a minute, but I think it was the intent and the lunge that has done that has done Livermore there. But yeah in real time you saw the lunge and you thought that looks a little bit when I slowed it down, it looked a bit weird. It looked like he kinda of went over the ball but then bounced off the turf before he hit Grealish. I think it only clipped Grealish, but yeah, think that it was no good because, contact. I think it was because of the because of the it looked like he lunged. I think that's that's what's done for him. Uh, so I think it was a red. Um, I think the other one was a red as well.
0: Do you? That's interesting. Yeah. I was about to say maybe this is some Villa bars that I'm going to go, yes, Albion red card, Villa, not a red card. But I didn't think the Courtney Hawes was one. I think that was just a bit of a coming together.
1: I think it was – I don't think the intent was there, but I think it was still dangerous. Um yeah. So, I don't know, perhaps I'm just trying to sit on the fence because um I live slap bang in the middle of <laughs> the yeah. West Brom Villa territory and lock back to West Brom.
0: Um, no, I, I'm glad that we disagree because I may am being a bit biased in Villa's favour, thinking, oh, no, it's not a red card, Courtney didn't mean anything by it. I'm a little bit concerned, by the way, I haven't heard anything so far about Ezra Concer, just being he was out ill for Burnley. He's obviously not featured again tonight. I don't know if it's still the same illness. Obviously, it's only a couple of days ago. I don't know what that illness is. And... I don't know for certain, but uh, Mings, was that five yellow cards for him now? Does that mean mean he misses Palace?
1: Oh, I don't know. You can't just put me on the spot like that. Go on, Soccer Base.
0: We can carry on talking. If anyone can confirm that, or Dean Smith's mentioned it, when they put up about his yellow card, I definitely remember seeing number five, but his shirt number is also number five. So it could have been that. I've got a feeling that could have been his fifth yellow card. And if it is, he misses Palace. And if it is, if Conte still not back, Hawes and Engels playing centre half Engels was back on the bench tonight wasn't he yeah he was back in but I mean throwing him straight back into Crystal Palace I'd rather not do that to be honest what I would say is you know
1: I know two minutes ago I was advocating him getting sent off but Courtney Hawes has come come back and played in two He's you know kept two in two games so like you say you probably wouldn't want your two deputies in um yeah. But I dunno, I think this this is what we've said said earlier and what we said all, all season. This is it, it's a squad game and it's up to the likes of Bjorn Engels, and it would keep harking back down to the last time he, he played or you know, that yeah. game against Tottenham and then him coming close to scoring an equaliser at, at Wembley. You know, Courtney if Bjorn Engels has to come in I mean, has anybody told us yet whether they cover the tour. Tor- yeah. I mean this is pretty- about nothing here.
0: This is the perfect example of doing things live and having no research. So Ian Robinson said it was three mings, uh, three mings for yellow, <laughs> three yellows for mings. Martin also says it was three yellows. Then Neil says that mings is out. <laughs> and then Martin says, no, he's okay. Cause it's 10 cards because it's 20 games played. <laughs> but I don't, that's not true either. So we don't actually know. People are saying that mings isn't out. It's only three yellows. So let's not sit here and start uh, a campaign saying that mings is out because it seems like it isn't. It's but three. Is it third? Three. Okay. All right. Fine. Three well, I'm just yellow mings. <laughs> as, um, as you're talking, oh God, as you're talking about you know, being a squad game, that would hit us hard, wouldn't it? We've already had to deal with them. Um, well, it would, uh, but you're talking hypothetical
1: nonsense because he's not a factor yeah. now. So I don't know. Just, let's got on. On. Just, just got to move on. You and your got scare play. stories. All right, we'll move People on. Birmingham fail. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Ah, oh, as if we will just snorted on the podcast. Um, Right, two comments I wanted to go to. Somebody talked about Jack Grealish, and I've totally missed it now, saying how good was... Oh, here we go. From Alan Tatton, who says, How good is Jack Grealish? He just gets better and better. Now, I'm at risk of alienating myself here on a Villa podcast, I thought Grealish was poor tonight. or not poor, but by his standards, I don't think he did anything great tonight. He had a few couple of runs and a few little combinations with, with Watkins or El Ghazi. But overall, when we're used to seeing Jack Grealish do eight out of ten performances and leading Aston Villa tonight, I think I felt like things bounced off him a lot. Am I am I barking at the wrong tree here? Am I going to yeah, get a in the really
1: bad in it when Grealish's performance level just drops to a nine and a half
0: out of ten, <laughs> just, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and we still win three nil? But maybe that's my point, that we're so used to Villa being reliant on him, not this season, but in, in previous two or three years, that now I can watch Jack Grealish and go, oh, he wasn't, he wasn't that great today. I think he looked better in the second half. First half, I didn't think he did much. And Villa can still go on and kill a game off and win 3-0. Yeah, but he's,
1: you know, what was it? He? He's still an 8 out of 10 tonight, isn't he? I think. I don't know. So he's still he's still drifting past players like they're not there. still getting to the byline and creating chances. He's still... You know, he's still the heartbeat of Vella. I think that what what's happened is that he's not a one-man show anymore. He's got he, he's got a, a cast of um, cast of yeah, stars yeah, um,
0: um the comments are rightly abusing me, so thank thank <laughs> thanks, Vela fans. Um, <laughs> but um you've got so uh Lucas says he wasn't at his best in first, I picked up in more in the second, which is what I said. Uh, Jack Pancake, great name, so that's a real surname, says Grealish is capable of improving from recent displays. Um, Thomas says, what? Grealish created eight chances tonight, which if he did, fair, but that seems like a lot. Marcus says, "Oh, controversial, which yes, it is controversial. Um, and then Thomas says, Grealish was unreal, man. That's harsh. So, I mean, it's a game of opinions. I just look at Jack and think he can certainly do better than he did tonight. Maybe I'm being harsh on him, but I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. I, I just noticed a few times a ball bounce off him or him in, in playing a heavier pass than he usually would and just think, oh, that's not the Jack Grealish I'm used to. So that maybe it doesn't necessarily mean he's had a bad game. It's just he's not as good as I know he can be. But... Really you were really... Here. I thought
1: he played well. You know, okay. can he play oh. better? Yes. But is tonight the time to <laughs> to worry yeah. about it when we've won, yeah, won right.
0: 3-0? No, I just thought it was an interesting talking point. About Algarza's about, uh, um, penalties? Oh, yeah. Well, we'll talk about... Well, yeah, I mean... El Ghazi's such a strange player. After like I said, after the game that you went on, me and Max did um Burnley and we were talking, oh he has these chances, but you know either if he gets a, a nice strike or a nice bit of power behind it, it's up into Rose Ed. And when he puts it on target, it's a P a P roller. Whereas then you watch him today and think, oh he's actually a decent player, and it was a it was a good penalty. Did you think it was a penalty, first of all? Yeah. Oh, I was a bit cough again.
1: <laughs> was it a penalty? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get my boy <laughs> hat on there. I think he, you give him a little nudge. And you know that if you give yeah, get a little a nudge, he will fall to the floor or he will be propelled yeah. to the floor by the bullying tactics of the opposition. Um, yeah, I think so. I think... Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> I've gone blank, mate. I've gone I'm just blank. I think, I, think I think it was just about a penalty. But it was emphatically dispatched. Um, yeah. I do like seeing penalties going at that end of the Hawthorns
0: oh yeah good memories again as if that's the last time we played at the Hawthorns it seems like we will play them again since then but we were in different leagues last year so obviously not but it seems like such a big period of time between tonight and the playoff semi-final
1: three sendings mm-hmm. off for Albion in the last three games
0: against Villa yeah. I already know the answer to this Dwight Galen Chris Brunt and Jake Livermore
1: Exactly, I still love that little yes. photo of Dwight Gow sitting on the steps in the tunnel at yeah, Villa Park. I think someone put Kermit music to it in the back, in the, over the back of it in the past. Um, but yeah, I thought um, I thought it showed that Villa, and I'm I'm tempting fate now, I'm making a rough from my own back. But Villa are a top twelve team this season. West Brom are a bottom three team this season. I don't, um, you know, yeah, a, that much was clear. Go on, you talk.
0: I thought you were going to say something else. I wanted to look at the uh, the away games. we talked a little bit before about um, Villa's turnaround in form. Away games specifically, we've played six, obviously. Um, one five out of six away puts us a second in the form guide for for away games only. So only that second one that we lost, we should,
1: have, we should have got a draw out of?
0: Well, yeah, exactly. What's this turnaround? Because like last year we were... We were relying on getting most of our points at home if we could. I mean, we weren't picking up many points at all. Like we said, uh, again, going back to the one we did after Burnley, and it feels like they all, every podcast in this period of time is all like the same anyway. we were saying a little bit of perspective required. When we went into lockdown, we were on 25 points. We're on 22 now. <laughs> With, yeah. like you said earlier, we're, we're way ahead of where we were last year. There's absolutely no, I mean, I'm absolutely tempting fate here, but it would take an absolute disaster for Villa to be involved in a relegation scrap this season now. That's surely impossible. So the turnaround from that, that last year to this is incredible. But the away form is something that we've fi- we fixed massively. And I don't really know how they've done that. I don't know whether that's a byproduct of there not really being a home and away because of the, the lockdown restrictions, but when you look at some of those results there, 3-0 against Fulham, 1-0 against Leicester, 3-0 against Arsenal. Is that correct? Is it 2?
1: It mean, no, was 3, wasn't right. it?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. and then West Ham, like you said, we should have we should have um, got a draw there. And then 1-0 to Wolves and 3-0 to West, West Brom. Clean sheets throughout the, all of that as well, apart from West Ham. Like The turnaround far away for is is incredible.
1: No, it's, like you said, I think it probably is a bit of that what's home and what's away anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, if you you think about, I don't think Villa's home form is terrible, is it really? You know, they lost yeah. at home to Leeds. Um, Southampton just pinged everything in the top corner that day. Obviously, we know what happened against Burnley, where they kind of tried to kind of pepper the goal, but couldn't couldn't stick it away. Um, yeah, two wins, yeah, one draw, and um, right, one. Yeah. You know, a bit of VAR controversy again. So, I just think you know. Yes, fantastic. five wins out of six away. Villa are a better team with better players with probably less pressure because they've already got early points on the board with less mm. pressure because they haven't got a baying mob of us lot um, shouting at them from the stands so i can't I can't emphasize it enough. I thought this season, and it still could be. I thought this season, if Villa finished with six more points than last season, would be a success. If now finish yep. with as few as only six more points than last season, I think there'll be a spectacular. It will take a spectacular, spectacular collapse in the second half of the season. Um, yeah. So it's just that little bit more quality and belief, isn't there? And the players who were kind of, um, I don't know, learning their trade the hard way in the Premier League last season. And I'm probably mm. talking about I don't know Matt Target already played in the Premier League, but I'm probably talking about Target, Douglas, Louise. Um conza have kicked on. So not only have we brought more quality in, but that quality scene, that quality and that little bit of experience seems to have rubbed off on the players last last yeah. year. And we talked, didn't we? we? talked a lot last season about them them not being street wise. Yeah. I think they've got a little bit of that now. I think they kind of know, know the beast of the Premier League now and feel that they belong there. And we've seen that with the performances and the results.
0: And also, part of that, Dean Smith and the coaching staff, they've had a year in the Premier League for the first time as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. And yet we still hear about Bielsa being the man, don't we? Um, I love the fact that Dean Smith sneaks under the radar. You know, we've done our big Dean Smith special earlier in the year, haven't we? And said, what would it take for Dean Smith to leave leave Aston Villa? You know, in terms of his own career, career progression. And we said that he... It wouldn't, would it really? The only, the only thing is if England come knocking one day yeah, because yeah. if Dean Smith is ever in line for a job like Man United or Liverpool, um, then to get him to put himself in the frame for that job, he'd have to get got Villa into the Champions League. And once he got Villa into the Champions League, why would you suddenly want to go and disappear for, yeah, exactly. for Man United and Liverpool? So I don't think he'll particularly want any of the plaudits or whatever. He'll just want, to, want it to keep ticking. Um and from thinking that Villa were, were doomed, was it the Everton game when our mate El Ghazi spooned one over yep. the bar from the yard? I think, yeah. you know, you go back through our, our clips. I think that was the game when we got our head in our hands more than ever. Um, or probably when we yeah, lost I think it we spent years. most
0: of the podcast like this, didn't we, we kind of just yeah. sat waiting to, to get out of there?
1: So at that moment, Dean Smith, even a glass half-full positive disposition, Dean Smith would have thought, maybe my Villa days are over. Mm-hmm. For him to look at this now, and go into, you know, 2021 with Villa in such good shape. You know, full full credit to him, full credit to him, his coaching team. Um, so far, the recruitment team. Um, I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll get stuck into January, I'm sure, in good time. But do you think Villa, will, Villa need to or will do much business in January?
0: I, I, I think they might do something if if the right deal becomes available and that sounds like oh, I'm now the manager trying to fend off the press conference <laughs> question oh, if we find the right deal we'll see what we can do I don't think they'll actively You're go only going out to, bring to...
1: if they're better than the players you've got is that right Gavin? Yeah
0: I don't like to talk about opposition players because <laughs> we only like to talk about our own players that's what they'll always say um, yeah I think like I say if there's something there and they go that you can't resist putting 20 million in for whoever like the Emmy Martin there's one in the summer he's too good of a player who's available to say we don't want to be involved in that deal I think if something like that happens, which doesn't often happen in January, Villa will do something. But I don't see them looking at it going, we we need a striker, we need a midfielder, we're going to go it's out probably and find we? Well, I don't know, do we? I don't know. What's wrong with Oli Watkins? He should have two more goals on his tally for a start. Oh, not I'm, ar- just ar-
1: saying, I'm just saying scratch beneath the surface again and we're still not still not dead. Yeah, beyond, Although, yeah, beyond, he, beyond the squad.
0: On the squad, but I don't know whether January is the time to do that business. I think I think when because think, also if Villa are still doing well in January, and will hope to continue through the throughout the rest of the season. They're not going to change the side they've got now anyway. So if you're not going to bring somebody in in January to improve the first team, you might as well wait and do that business in the in the summer.
1: I oh, agree. I mean, listen. Hopefully, by the end of January, Villa will. How many points now? Twenty two. Twenty two. You know, let's hope Villa, I don't think they can quite get to 40, probably could between now and then, but let's hope that Villa, to me, if you're going to invest big money in a a new signing or several new signings, it's got to be to make significant strides in the Premier League. So, you know, for Villa to justify a 30 or 40 million pound spending spree, if you like, in January, they've got to think that will kick us on three or four or five places. Um, yeah. So I could, I still think they might, I think they might try and go for, you know, a better version of Samata. You know, if there's, if there's a striker available on loan, perhaps in January, you know, from one of the European leagues that can, a bit of a kind of no risk deal. Mm. I, think, I think they might do it, but I don't see the point in them spending massive money unless they think it's going to have such a massive effect on their overall position. Yeah. And I don't think one player would do that now.
0: Um, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I just want to wrap up by mentioning that VAR thing just because it will not be a Claremont Blue podcast without us talking about VAR and that Ollie Watkins decision. What did you think about it, first of all, before I go off on a little tangent?
1: I thought, uh, like most goals, I refused to celebrate it yeah, um, totally. because there's nothing instinctive about celebrating goals in the Premier League anymore. Um, oh, what a sad sentence that is. It's true, though, isn't it? Um, nice. and it's one of those ones again, isn't it? You know, it's a kind of, um, it's the width of a, a gnat's armpit hair again, isn't it? You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. the gnat's have armpits.
0: <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it's one of those, isn't it? You know. But well, it was onside. It wasn't was offside, of the... was it? Say it again? It wasn't offside, was it? We keep well, saying it's one draw... of those. It was onside. I don't draw the lines, do I? Do you know what I mean? I'm not... I mean, just stop the part all the lines. I mean, this is the thing, right? So this is my this is my thinking during the game. How's New Arlie Watkins in both situations, West Ham and obviously tonight? With West Ham, they pour over it for four or five minutes or whatever it is, it's a couple of different angles, drawing up the lines, zooming in, all this stuff going on. And part of me looks at that and goes, well, this is taking too long. It shouldn't be, this shouldn't be how it is. It should be faster. Then tonight though, you look at it at first glance and think, well, he's level. So that should be the benefit to the attacker. It's a great goal as well. It's a good move even before the ball comes in from Matty Cash. It's a good finish.
1: Great little pass from, from Troy right, or Trezeguet, as you call him. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> it's, it's a good move. It. It's a good goal that should stand. And then they look at it from one angle that's not even parallel with the defensive line anyway. Draw two lines down from Watkins' boot or arm, whatever, and the defender's arm or boot two lines down and it just comes up at the bottom and offside. and it took about 20 seconds. Now, part of me looks at it and goes, yes, VAR, correct, speedy, that's how it should be. But how come they look at one that's so tight for four or five minutes and then one another one that's so tight and you go, yeah, it's, uh, it's offside, 20 seconds. This is the clear and obvious thing that I don't understand. For that red card situation we talked about earlier, he gives the yellow card, they watch it back and go, actually, that's a red card, we've changed our mind, that's now the correct decision. It was a clear and obvious error, the ref got it wrong, it should have been a red card. But then you look at the goal, if you watch one replay and he's a foot offside, you go, oh, obvious error, offside. But if you look at it in his level, why are we even drawing these lines in the first place and not just going, oh, well, he's level so the striker gets the benefit? Why is that not the rule?
1: Yeah, I've got this vision of... um... You know, like security guards, when you see them in films and they've got this bank of cameras and they just like fall asleep and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I think Someone's it's
1: like that. Stocky- scarf, yeah, I fine. think that's the stocky part. You know? They've just got a few cans, a few pizzas lying around. And Maybe they-
0: because it's Christmas. Maybe they've got no staff there at Christmas or something, or maybe the guy who's he's on his last shift before he breaks up for Christmas, and he's going, oh, God, tight offside decision. I can't be bothered drawing all those lines. <laughs> Just get offside, move on. Villa will probably win anyway. And in the end, it doesn't oh. matter. It mattered against West Ham because that's drop points. Tonight, we've gone on to win the game 3-0 comfortably in the end anyway. But it's still annoying. And for Ollie Watkins, personally, he should had two more Premier League goals. That's that, that yeah, I think, cool. I,
1: feel, I think I feel more for him in this context than I do about yeah. Villa. Villa won the game 3-0. I'm less angry when we've won a game than if it's cost us a draw or, or a victory. Uh, we know it, don't we? It's part of the game. We don't yeah, like it. Right, yeah. You know, <laughs> is it going to go anywhere? I bloody hope so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Um, yeah, well, we'll, we'll wrap it there because I'm I'm going to get carried away. Um Nice Christmas tree you've got. It's a bit blue, though, for my liking. I don't think it is blue. I think it's just it's just the way my kind of moody ambient lighting in here is. Oh, really?
1: The lights are blue and yellow and red and green. Uh, a bit too much tinsel on for me, but I don't you can see the tinsel.
0: No, I can't. it just looks very blue. I'm just hoping there's not any Birmingham um, City shirts under there or anything. I don't not. think
1: so, mate. I don't think so. If there is, I'm going um, gonna... to...
0: Abandoned my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spare a thought for those poor kids opening a Birmingham or West Bromshire on Christmas morning. Those poor, poor children. Um, but yeah, this is our last episode, or last live episode before Christmas. Um, so we've got 500 people who've watched us all the way through. I think there's a few opposition fans watching tonight, so a big shout out to those who've got nothing better to do on a Sunday night. Um, big shout out to the Villa fans who watch and actually care what we're talking about. That's very much appreciated. And it's been a good year, as much as 2020 has been... I can't say what I want to say, but it's been rubbish. For the podcast, it's been good fun for us. Villa stayed up. We've had some good moments. Um, So this is our last live episode. We'll be back on Boxing Day, I think, um, for the Crystal Palace game. But we're also recording a Christmas special that will be out. When we say Christmas special, it's as much a Christmas special as Die Hard as a Christmas film. It's just another podcast that's coming out at Christmas time. There's nothing Christmassy about it, really. Uh, We're recording that this week, and that will be out on probably the 23rd of December. But this is our last opportunity to say goodbye to people and merry christmas so thanks for joining us this year merry christmas merry christmas matt even though i'm going to speak to you again before this but just for the sake of the podcast Um, merry christmas dan hope you enjoy it i hope it's a good one for you (laughs) but yeah thanks everyone who joined us and uh, we really do appreciate all your support
1: i've got your um secret santa i'm going to drop it down i'm not dropping it down tonight i'm going to drop it down tomorrow morning um and yeah i think you'll
0: love it Well, I've already given you yours and I'm not sure you'll love yours, so (laughs) we'll see. Uh, All good fun. I mean, you say Secret Santa, but we both know we've got on each other, so it's not a Secret Santa, is it? Well, present Secret, Secret present. Yeah, Secret present. That's more accurate because we both know that we've got for each other. But yeah, Christmas podcast will be out on, I think, the 23rd of December, so stay tuned for that. We know we've not done it yet, but it'll be a good fun to record. I'm looking forward to it Um, and we'll be back on Boxing Day. So thanks everyone for tuning in this evening live on Facebook. Thanks for all your support this year. Thank you, Matt, for joining us with your blue Christmas tree. And we'll, uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's
1: episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa.